it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Tricia Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. Well, listeners, we're going to cover a beautiful topic today, uh, something that I know very little about, but we're also going to approach it from a way that you might not have done. That's great, isn't it? What a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> Completely mysterious. Nobody knows what the heck I'm talking about. But hopefully I've, I've intrigued you and I have got such a scrumptious guest here. So <laughs> sat on her lovely comfy sofa with her gorgeous cat, one of three, snuggled up by her in somewhere in Staffordshire is Andrea Rainsford. And all I can say is that I'm, I'm going to say the words S-E-O, <laughs> but I don't want to turn you off, listeners, because whenever I've come across that, it all sounds a little bit data-driven and a bit algorithm-driven. Nothing like that at all, the way Andrea approaches it. It's about visibility. And if you're not interested in visibility, then frankly, you might as well give up now. So um, that was a bit aggressive as a start, but I'm just going to hand you over to Andrea, who's going to properly tell you kind of what she does in a nutshell. And then we're going to hear her story, which is absolutely blinking inspiring and fascinating so deep breath hello andrea hi thank you for having me um so yes i'm andrea rainsford from seo angel um and i think the the title gives it a little bit of a softer feel um seo angel just about something up really um because i have to keep going around helping people um so yeah seo um i'm i my content you'll never see SEO mentioned at all really which sounds really bizarre considering I'm an SEO consultant um, but I talk about visibility and it's always about visibility um, I'm a little bit different to most SEO consultants um, I SEO your business I don't just SEO your website I don't think there's any point whatsoever dealing with websites in isolation um, because you have to have a sound business foundations for visibility and to be found. And that's basically what SEO is. It's about your you and your business being found by the person that you most want to work with or you want to buy your product. Yeah, that puts it, it sounds so simple when you put it like that. <laughs> I, amazing. I, think, I think people, I think a lot of people in tech, they like to scare you with jargon. They like to, they like to scare you with big fat words. Um, and I think that gone are the days where we we are we flex our muscles and we talk about how much we know and we try to impress our clients with how much technical jargon we know and what we can do. Um, and that isn't how I work. I like my clients to feel as though they totally understand what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve. Um, and that and hopefully they're going to learn from me as we're as we're going along as well. Absolutely. I like that. Gone with those when we flex. I got a great picture. Oh, look, look at my big muscles. Aren't I? Okay. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah, we don't. Doesn't, doesn't. It's funny because I'm re watching um, Mad Men at the moment. Yeah. I'm kind of binge watching it actually because my son's in lockdown with me, 25 year old son who's had just started watching it for the first time. 
So he said, let's carry on. And um, there's an awful lot of muscle flexing going on. So, mm, yes, so we don't, we're not impressed by muscle flexing anymore. No, no. no. We, want, we want the human stuff and visible is the key word. So talking of human stuff, you you are a human i've established yeah that. yeah last time i looked yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have got a story that includes some elements which aren't particularly every day so give us a <laughs> sense of how you uh, reached to this moment in your life oh dear yeah well, uh, well yeah, obviously yeah. you were born i mean yeah yeah that uh, happened yeah. um and then um yeah I think it was in me from quite an early age that I had to prove something to the world. There was always something missing. And um, it's, it's taken me, uh, I'm 47 this year, so it's taken me 47 years to figure out exactly what it was that was missing. Um, and I, could, I know I can put my finger on it now and I know exactly what it is that, that, that I was striving for. But as a child and a teenager and somebody in their early 20s, it was either... I need to be fitter, I need to be thinner, I need to be cleverer, I need to be, the list just kept going on and as soon as you tick one off, something else jumps on and actually being one or all or however many things on the list, it never actually made the feeling go away. Um, so there was a constant striving um, from a very young age um, and it, it, it carried me through my teenage years. I, I, th I was never very good at relationships, which people find very hard to believe now um, because I, I think, you know, I do come across as quite, quite sociable, but um, I was incredibly shy and incredibly unsure of myself and the confidence, the lacking in confidence was pretty, pretty awful. Um, and then when I started work and I started getting out into the, into the workplace, I realised talents that, um, I hadn't recognised in the in in my early years, and my job became my identity, and I absolutely I just lived for my job because I was good, and people told me I was good, and um, and I thought yeah I quite like this. People think I'm good at this, and you know I actually felt like somebody, and I thought yeah I actually feel like a proper person, and I feel like somebody's actually recognised me for the first time in my life, um, and that then became an obsession. And um, I focused my all of my life based around my, my job. Um, and I started to work for some very large corporates. And um, I became a business development manager by the time I was 26. Um, and the signs were there. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm. I was frayed around the edges. But I'm not convinced that we're... As humans we're very good at, at reading the signs sometimes I'm very good these days but back then um, I think I thought I was invincible mm. Mm. I'm, I'm only 20 something um, just because my body feels a bit tired um, I can do this yeah I can carry on um, and I was very lucky that I was headhunted um, I think around 28 29 to go and work for a large accountancy sorry a, la a large legal firm as a business development manager for UK and Europe and um, I actually thought at that point that I'd made it because there I was off on a plane every five minutes, Paris, Brussels, Berlin, wherever they needed me to go. Um, and I was winning proposals left, right and centre. I had very large um, clients like 3i, Lloyd's Development Capital, um, Peugeot, Orange. Um, wow. and, 
we were not, and it was it was great. Um, I thought I was the bee's knees because I was off on my plane with my suitcase in my suit with my designer handbag. Um, and I'd met this amazing man who, who actually wanted to marry me. And I did seriously think at the time there was something quite wrong with him. Um, <laughs> but but um, yeah, he's, he's still around, funnily enough. Um, and yeah, we'd only been together, I think it was um, four weeks when he asked, him to, asked me to marry him. Wow. And I did, I did actually think, yeah, you, you, you need certifying. Um, but yeah, I can remember the night he asked me to marry him, and um, yeah, we were, we were, we were very drunk. We had quite a lot to drink, um, and I think, yeah, we, it was, we, we were just going to sleep. And I thought it's not particularly memorable or romantic or what you want to tell all your friends and your family. It's not one of those, you know, down on one knee, and you know. So I did actually say to him, you need to ask me again. <laughs> Um, do it again, do it again yeah, properly. <laughs> not a story for the kids. Um, so yeah, and um, I, I started work for Evershed. Then we were getting married, and we went on a holiday. Um, and I'd got this big pitch with I think it was Peugeot. I'd been up to brief the team before we went on holiday, um, and I can remember driving down the motorway at 90 miles an hour trying to make my flight because work came first before everything. Um, and I had a great holiday. I really, really enjoyed the holiday and Ian and I had a wonderful time. Um, but then the day we came back, there was something just appeared to be wrong. Um, and I don't know whether it's because my body had had a rest and it realised that it needed more rest. Um, and I came back off holiday. Put a long story short, I collapsed in my meeting before we went to the pitch and I never went back to work again. That was the last day that I worked. Wow. And, um, I had virus type symptoms um, and I was off work for eight weeks and then my employer said um, we need to get you to see some doctors to see what's going on um, because I had I was very lucky that I had private health care at the time um, and I think cut it short about three months um, I actually went into hospital for a week and they did every test under the sun um, and then they diagnosed me with ME and said the, the um, neurologist that I saw said you won't be going back to work and I thought he was a complete lunatic. How could he say that I wasn't going to be going back to work? I thought, yeah, I'll prove him wrong because that was me and that was who I was. Um, and then I was on a crusade for the next uh, 18 months to prove that this illness wasn't going to beat me and that um, I was going to go back to work. And that because the press um, made out Emmy to be yuppie flu, wasn't a proper illness. Mm, you were diagnosed remember. with that if yeah. you haven't got anything else. If they can't find anything else wrong with you, then they give you the ME label. And and it made me made those feelings all come to the fore. Um, I felt worthless again. I felt useless. I felt a complete failure that my body had broke on me. Um, and I did lose my job. They were very, very kind to me. I'm not going to say that they weren't. They tried for 18 months to get me to work from home but I just wasn't physically well enough. Um, we did get married during those 18 months, which was wonderful. Um, and then towards the end of 2005, Ian came home one day and found me unconscious. Yes, listeners, this isn't, <laughs> isn't a story with an immediate happy ending. Um, so, but, but fortunately, you did become conscious again. But this was, this was the stroke, basically. Yeah, I had the stroke in end of 2005. It happened in hospital. So it hadn't happened when I was unconscious. I was unconscious because basically I burnt my body out and it gave up. Um, and they took me in 
I had the, the stroke in hospital. Um, it took the whole of my left hand side. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't. I could speak, but I couldn't use my left arm. Um, I couldn't um, do normal things like wash, go to the toilet, um, feed any of those. So I had to have help with everything. Um, and it's taken me 15 years to get where I am today. 50, I just want to pause everybody listening to that. 15 years. I mean, that's a heck of a long time to, in which you could have kind of given up or got, got clinically depressed, I would imagine, and all sorts of other things. Um, but you clearly at some point that striving bit of you kicked in in a good way in a good way because it um, yeah i think this is the yeah, time and it wasn't a good thing you, the, the pushing wasn't a good thing but actually that same part of you now um here you are in this physical state you know actually did require a bit of this pushy person it's ironic isn't it yeah totally ironic um, I think it's because a lot of people ask me how I did it and and I think we can liken it to times that, that we're living through now is that if somebody said to you at the beginning of lockdown that you're going to be in lockdown for, for five years you'd just give up because you'd think I can't survive five years so if somebody had said to me you're not going to walk for five years and you're not going to get out of the house or you're not going to get out of a bed for five years then I probably wouldn't be here mm. I think that I didn't know how long it was all going to take and I didn't know what the future held. So there was plenty of times when I threw the towel in and I said to Ian, I'm not doing this anymore um, because it was too hard. Mm. It, it was literally too hard. Um, I couldn't get my brain to move my arm or my leg. Mm. and I just didn't know how to do it. And I used to sit there and look at my leg and think, how, how am I going to get it to move? How on earth am I going to get that to move? Um, and I, I suppose I didn't spend very much time on my own either because I used to have two carers four times a day because they used to come and wash me, feed me, clean me, um, put me onto the, to a bedpan, um, clean me up, um, et cetera, et cetera. So there were some periods when I was on my own, but not, not a massive amount. And, and, it, and it was the encouragement that I received from everybody around me was outstanding. Ian's, um, bearing in mind that Ian had only known me well for 18 months. Amazing. Wow. And um, he's still here and yeah. he's still my biggest fan and he's, he's never ever doubted my abilities not once. Um, and if, if, if he was sat here talking to you now and you were like, well, you know, you've, you're amazing and you've done a great job. Yeah. And, and he, he just he just shrug it off. He just yeah. What on earth are you talking about? Yeah. Um. He he doesn't think that he's done anything outstanding at all. But he was the one that got me out of bed every day, got me on my feet, tried to get me walking. Yeah. Because the only thing that we could do in the end was actually keep moving my my right leg, so that my brain could think right. The right leg's moving. We've got to do the same with the left, and it was just continuous repetition. Wow. To do with it, with my arm and my leg. That we, could, that we could do it with the same and it, and it took I think it was five years before I started to walk properly um, on my own um, and yeah it, it took a long time so 
yeah no I, do, I in a way i don't want to interrupt you because it's such a it's such a special no, story because it's not like everybody's experience but when you hear somebody i mean you kind of sometimes hear about but you see it in films or you hear it on documentaries about but you know i you're just us here chatting and you recounting that story um it really brings up quite a few things about well number one is how frigging amazing our brains are and um, yeah you, you tapped into that amazingness um but it required the support of people around you the belief and as you said you not looking into some great black hole of future but sort of going pretty much one day at a time and that's and that in a way applies to quite a few things we do yeah. i think you know i know that if i'd have known how long it was going to take i wouldn't be here because i think that by looking into the future looking at time looking at years you're actually putting blocks and you're putting you're putting uh, you know obstacles in your way um you know, yeah, i yeah, yeah i didn't on a completely what sounds like a fairly trite level compared to that story, but but just bringing it back round to us in business, you know, if the number of times that you feel like giving up when you set up a business, I mean, if you don't, then you're not human, you know. I mean, you, you, right. absolutely. But equally, a lot of what goes wrong is that we're looking for too much too quickly, and we're looking at all the negatives that are we're imagining happening in the next world, and we're looking at. You know, I, I thought I was going to achieve quite a few things like within a year. And I remember saying this to somebody when I set up my business. And I do remember the look on this person's face. It's just like, kind of impatient. So, yeah, th these are all good life lessons. But here you are, here you blinking well are. And you clearly didn't go back into corporate world. Um, you didn't go back into a place where, as you say, you you were so sort of obsessive and your your identity was so wound up in it that it became incredibly unhealthy mentally and physically so what you did do we're obviously fast forwarding a little bit here is you 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 set up this business was this the first business you set up or was there a sort of yeah i never set out to set up a business um um i would i my mental health has got to come into question but before I could even walk I decided to go back to university which is you know <laughs> incredibly sane thing to do isn't it um <laughs> so off I went in my wheelchair <laughs> brilliant um and I and I joined uh Staffordshire University and I started off on a applied computing HND um and I needed to see if my brain worked really mm. that was what I, ne I needed to know if my brain still worked it turned out from my my the work that I had to do the coursework that I become dyslexic, so the stroke had made me dyslexic, which is really quite strange. Um, so so I had to have help, um, and I had a mentor and I had a note taker, and and they allowed Ian to proofread all of my work because he'd got a master's degree, but his subject was nothing to do with mine. He was in history and politics, mine was computing, so he was allowed to proofread my work, and if, and he'd say to me, these sentences don't make sense, and then yeah. and then reword them. <laughs> So, um, th so this is yeah this is you testing out your brain and, I, and in fact i think that's another thing so i think when all else fails us i think all of us well i certainly do or have this sense of please leave me my brain <laughs> yeah. you know take take away my my legs you know yeah. leave me my brain um that's how i feel so 
So you you put yourself through this challenge, brilliant, but this still doesn't explain how you got into this area of yeah, I think, helping um, people with visibility. Five years later, I graduated with a computing science degree. Um, and then I thought, well, what am I going to do with that? Mm. Um, and yeah, there was no big plan. People, acquaintances, people that I'd come back in contact with were like, well, can you just give me a bit of a helping hand? You've now got this new knowledge. And that was how it started. Yeah. I started helping people for free with the knowledge that I had. Um, and then a year down the line, people were like, you really need to do anything for the business. But I didn't have the confidence because it completely and utterly destroyed me. I had no confidence. I didn't know who I was. I didn't, if anybody asked me what I thought, I'd be like, well, Ian thinks or Ian says, yeah. because I had, I lost the ability to think and feel and have an opinion because I'd completely lost all of my life. I didn't just lose my health. I lost my house, my car, my job. You, I lost completely everything. I had nothing left apart from my, the, you know, my body, mm -hmm. the shell that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I had to, I had to learn that I still had something to give. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time. And it, I've been in business six years this year, um, and I started to make a profit from eighteen months in. Mm. So, like you've said, you, you can you can have these high expectations of year one, but nothing. I was very very lucky, and and if Andrea was here now, because this is another Andrea, obviously I'm not talking about. Oh, Sounds a bit this interview has taken on a very strange yeah, <laughs> there's a andrea seed she'll she'll probably tell me off for mentioning her but she's a very old school friend and she's been running a successful pr business for a long time and she saw that my business had started up on social media and she says i need to come and see you we need to have a chat i need your skills and my very first client was the classic motor show really Wow. Mm. wow. I know. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, that that's amazing. So you so basically you demonstrated by by doing it for your own business, you demonstrated that you really had figured out quite a lot of stuff about yeah. becoming visible using social media. So let's let's dig down into this whole so you call it the SEO angel, but you don't really tend to use the term seo much and i suspect that's partly because of the various um ideas people have got in their head about seo experts or whatever we want to call yeah. it yeah yeah so i if i if this was me i was thinking seo I, the first thing that comes into mind is things like oh 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 i've got to have keywords i've got to <laughs> have keywords i've got to have all my meta tags and yeah. um um, I did a post yesterday that said um, I just need a few keywords and then I'll be visible right that was my headline because that's all I hear every day mm. um, I, people come to me and say yeah I've got my keywords I've stuffed my pages with my keywords I've got them in my heading I've got them in my URL I've got them in my coffee you know why can't anybody find me um, and I and I do have a little chuckle to myself um, because I, I you know I, I say to them well who are you trying to attract who, who are we who are we trying to work with mm, don't know <laughs> right okay let's go right back to basics so we it, it might i can't do any seo work and i say this to every client i can't do any seo work until we know who we're trying to work with how mm. we're trying to attract them you know what what brings them joy because at the end of the day i have to i always say to them that you know it's one product one service because i'm usually dealing with small medium-sized businesses mm -hmm. um we're not i'm not i'm not you know i do work with large corporates but on the whole um, I'm working with small, medium-sized businesses, and, and they're, they're a very small fish in a very big pond. 
And the only way they're going to stand that is one, one, one client, one, one product or service. And they hate it because they think by narrowing things down, they're going to cut themselves from, from all of these clients and they all stamp their feet and they'll all have a bit of a crying, uh, a crying match. And, I, and they'll say to me, but this isn't SEO. And then I have to explain to them that in my previous life, um, I, I have 17 years of business development experience. And so that's what makes me different to everybody else. And so unbeknownst to me, I've been doing business development with them for, uh, for six years. Um, and then they'll say, well, my previous SEO consultant doesn't work like that. And, I'm, and I always say to all of them, you've got to have sound business foundations before we can even talk about SEO. Um, and I also explain to them that I don't believe that everybody needs a website. Um, and I will say to everybody, if you haven't got the time, you haven't got the effort and you haven't got the money, then you know you shouldn't have a website. You've got to build your community on social media first. You need to build your brand, you need to build, because websites take time, effort and money to, to make you money. I, I just do not think there's any point whatsoever having a website out there that you don't bother with. A lot of people would say to me, but I need, if, you know, I need one if people are gonna go and find me. Well, how the hell they're gonna find you? Um, you know, let's be honest about this. If you haven't put, you're not putting the time, effort and the money into it, how are they gonna find you? Unless you give them the domain name, that's the only way they're gonna find you. And then if that's all you're giving, if that's all you want a website for, is so that you can give them a domain name and they can go and see who you are, what you're about, and who your clients are, that can be done in so many more other ways than having a website. Like, so, like what? Give us some. I mean, they can have an online, they can have a, an online shop on Etsy if it's an e-commerce site. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's a, a portfolio site, then you, you can create a portfolio that you're able to send out to people that you can send them out via email. If it's testimonials, you can get clients to do videos, testimonials, and you can send those out to your clients. There's lots of ways of, of building your your brand and your community without having a website. Because what people don't realise is that if you've got a website and you're not adding content to it on a regular basis, then you're just not you're just not going to get found. I mean, obviously it depends on the industry and mm. it depends on your niche. But on the whole, if you're not putting effort into your content on a on a consistent basis, and it's consistent the key word. So they'll say to me, but I can't write a blog every week. And I'll say, well, I mean, I'm not saying you have to write a blog every week, but if you're not consistently adding content, like every fortnight or every month, and the consistency is the key, then you, you know you're you're gonna you're gonna lose you know you're gonna lose visibility points. And there's there's a lot more to it than that. But the key ranking point at the moment, as we're talking today, is content. And that is why I do so much work with ideal client with what their issues are, what what solutions they provide to you know to their to their ideal clients problems what's keeping them awake at night we do a lot of work in that and we do a lot of work on content plans we do a lot of work on how we're going to attract them because the content that they're writing for their website needs to be transferred to social media to their marketing to their pr to their 60 seconds when they stand up in a networking meeting the tone and the message has got to be the same in mm. every single area um, and it can't it can't differ so if we're the work that we're doing in 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 with the SEO, we're like I'm working with a client at the moment. I I saw a social media post she put out yesterday that was completely and utterly different to the work we've done, and she got a quick email pulling her up saying, "You can't do that. It's just you're 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 sending out conflicting messages to your to your audience. You're saying one thing over here and you're saying something completely different over here." Um, and and she was like, "Yeah, I understand now. I understand what you, where you're coming from." So. I never work on the website in isolation um, and we do a lot of work around the foundations and the content. But then obviously when, we come, when it comes to keywords and I do do quite in-depth research with all of my clients, 
it's about concepts these days. It's not about stuffing as many keywords into a page as you can. If you do that, you're going to get penalised for it. So the way that I try to explain it to my clients is that if you, Google is, is trying to get towards more of a knowledge graph type scenario so that they have these pockets of knowledge and you rank, you rank within your pocket of knowledge. So when you're writing a piece of content, it's always got to be written for the user. You never write for a search engine, but you've got to think the topic through before you actually write the piece of content. So every page on your website, every blog, every article, whatever you're writing has got to have a complete enough concept. And you've got to think, you know, when you're, when you're looking at that concept, what, what words are related to what you're writing about? So, so it's, it can't just be about trying to rank on high volume keywords, it can't be, because everybody's going to be trying to rank for those. So what we, it, what we want is a niche where we've got specific targeted keywords and we know that we've got a higher chance of converting because we know that that, that as a person searching for our, so, you know, our service or product, you know, definitely wants what we're, what we're selling. And so the conversion rates are higher. And, that, and that's the way that I work with my clients. Ah, uh, listeners, that was a lot of free advice. Just Wasn't it? take that. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, it might choose still actually doing it is another thing, which is why it's rather delightful to be able to get someone like Andrew to help. Because uh, for most of us, we're running the business on our own. A lot of us, um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that applies to quite a few listeners. Um, and <laughs> there are only so many hours in a day, gee. And you know, we have to we have to service the clients and create the content. So you know, the, what we need is the help in kind of making sense of it all, as you say, across everywhere, and knowing that there's these lovely keywords that are very beautifully specific to your thing so that not just a word that you desperately exactly, try yeah. to put in there because you heard that it's a great word to have I mean I mean so an example so a lot of the stuff I do and when, when I first was doing this I, I talked a lot about imposter syndrome now yeah. that's that's a term that I'm fairly sure now would come up quite high in sort of search terms but but I have a certain approach to that element of um, the journey that people go on with me and my coaching in order to have what I call real impact. And the word real is very important. And um, and, and so I really to do to do this test on myself, I should be being a, have in mind the person that I am trying to attract and think of the things that they are going to be asking of themselves and I mean is it right that if you if you imagine a google search ter a search not not a search keyword but a search question more like why do I feel so bland or something I think that yeah, I think when you're looking at keywords, you need to you, you're going to go longer tail when you're doing standard search. But uh -huh. we, when you when you're looking at voice search, because with voice we speak at around 150 words per minute, where when we're typing it's about 40. So when you're doing a voice query, they're going to be longer and they're going to be questions. So so voice search is is we deal with it a little bit differently than we do to standard search. Um, and there's a few more technical aspects that are involved with voice search. But if you look at my website, for example, my, my website and my content is full of questions. 
because that's all I get asked all day long. What is SEO? Why do I need SEO? What, why is SEO important, etc. Um, and so my content is all based around questions. And so when you, you're right, when we, we need to look at our ideal client, is our ideal client fit into the age bracket that's more than likely going to be doing voice search? It's going to be asking voice queries. Are they going to be on their mobile phone speaking? Mm. Are they going to be in their tablet speaking? Or are they going to be typing? Mm. So again, you, you have the ability to, to find all of this information and then it's actually narrowing it down. So we, you know, that's why we, we only try to attract one person and one product. Now, I always say to them, we're not saying it's forever. It's, it's for a short period of time. It's a strategy. It's a plan. It, we're not saying that it can't be changed, but mm. you have to give it a go for a set period of time. Um, and, and we're not also saying that the website isn't going to show all of the other products and services that you offer. That isn't what we're saying. We're just going to focus our efforts and our marketing and our content and our and, and, and attracting one person with one product. Because by diluting the message and trying to rank on too much, mm. again, you're, you're confusing. You're confusing the search engine and you're confusing your, your, your ideal client as well. Um, what, I, what I do does work. Um, my my methods aren't for everybody. I don't work with everybody. Um, there's going to be people that come along and they don't like the the rigidity of what I do, and that's absolutely fine because I'm not trying to work with everybody. But you're right in what you're saying is that everybody that I do do work with hasn't got the time to do it themselves. Um, I I tended to work with female-led SMEs, so female-led directors that their businesses have come to a plateau they can't they can't they're looking to achieve that growth and they don't know how to move it on um, and those tend to be the people the majority of the people that I work with and um, I do work with some large corporate event companies as well because obviously my very first client was Clarion Events yeah. which was classic event show and here I am six years later and I'm still retained by them and I'm very proud of that oh, and I work wow. on most of their consumer portfolio now so I work on Baby Show, House and Garden, Art and Antiques, Olympia um, there's, there's quite a few that I work on and obviously they've all been postponed at the moment so I'm very yeah. very happy that um, considering where I started off at the beginning of lockdown my events had all been postponed as of this week I'm full again now which is really Excellent. great yeah so, there's hope for you listeners it's there is hope there is hope there's always hope well in fact Andrew's entire story has been about hope <laughs> so uh, let's let's just get that one in our heads um, perhaps it's sure now I you know there is no question that um, I could go on talking about this but what would actually happen Andrea at this stage um, and it might not be good for the listeners or you um, as your business would be that I would just start asking you questions about my business <laughs> and, and basically attempt to get an entire <laughs> free session out of you so, um, so to, <laughs> to avoid doing that um, I'm taking on board and the listeners will some really really i do you know what there was a moment when you talked about your designer handbag and getting on the plane <laughs> it so rung a bell and not that i actually ever had a designer handbag or got on planes for my job but i had this weird idea that if that by buying a certain item of clothing jewelry whatever it was a watch i remember at one stage was the thing i needed to get that it would make me into one of these in a successful yeah. big yeah. in that world and so it is odd how we how we wrap ourselves up in these identities that are just all over the shop in terms of 
what, you know, what, what are we doing? What, what is, why am I doing that? What, and as you say, it usually comes, there's baggage that comes from way back when, and, you know, we get stuck in these weird thinking cycles and, and in a weird way, the most horrendous thing that happened to you obviously took you, shook you, bloody shook you out of that out of that cycle but let's listeners can we all try not to have that happen um and get yeah. out of it get out of it quicker but i think a lot of listeners here have already made that move um and now it's just it's just the general i think day. i want, I want I'd, lo I'd love people to know that I've, I've started it's only been 10 months since i came back out into the public domain which people are quite really shocked by that, that I've only, I've only been actually back out for 10 months. Um, and in that time I've achieved, I can't quite believe what I've achieved in 10 months, to be honest. Um, but um, I've actually started speaking in public um, and I think I've done about five or six and um, various ladies, including the very lovely Sandra Garlick, who runs a woman who um, asked me to speak at her recent Woman Who Achieves Awards. They were announcing the awards finalists for 2020. And um, it was the biggest audience I'd spoken to. And I was really nervous and I, and I did cry my, the, the majority of the way through it um, because I think that it's still really hard to, mm. to distance myself from the emotion. Mm. But the amazing thing that happened at the end was four separate people came up to me and told me that they'd all been diagnosed with ME. And the one lady cried on my shoulder and said that I'm breaking myself just like you did. And you've made me sit up and take notice. She said, I've got to stop doing what, I, what you did because she said, I didn't think that I could make myself any worse. She said, but you've just made me realize that I can make myself a hell of a lot worse. And, oh. and we're still in contact now. And the, the other side of this, which is absolutely amazing, was a lovely gentleman came up to me and said, my wife's been diagnosed with ME and I keep pushing her. He said, and I'm, he was absolutely horrified. He stood in front of me and said, I am so, so sorry. He said, I, I, I thought she'd got to push through it. I thought she'd got to keep pushing. Andrea, oh, what an, in oh, how amazing that people got to meet you and have that moment. Oh, that's, that is desperately special. I mean, I had to tell you actually that my husband had it. Um, uh, it was before I met him, and uh, but but you know I have heard him talk about it, and so I would not have taken it as seriously prior to hearing his story. There's no question. A lot of people, and this was going back, you know, whatever, 15 years. A, a lot. Well, there we go. Yeah, a lot of people did dismiss it as and, yeah. and that included doctors and all sorts so and there's nothing worse is there than than that sense that that you're being dismissed oh. i'd just like to say on that note that the only reason that i got my diagnosis so quickly is because i had private health care mm. and, and there were so many people around me that have, were having to wait in the nhs if, mm. if you're diagnosed with me now you are my consultant. I'm very lucky. I still see him 15 years on, but that's because I've got other health issues. Mm. I still see my ME consultant. Um, he's an endocrinologist by by profession, um, and I and I and I'm still I still get to see him. But he very sadly said to me he's only allowed to see them for three appointments now, and then he has to see and then he has to discharge. Them. Yeah, and that's yeah. a very sad state because the amount of people that have got it 
but he only gets three chances to help them. But there we, but, but well, my husband worked, worked his way slowly through it, but his was exactly the same story in terms of him overworking. I mean, you yeah. know, gee. Um, so, yes, he, you know, he goes rock climbing and all sorts. He's, he's definitely a great um, ambassador for, for the hope factor of all of this. But yeah, that, that, there's so much richness in this. I'm glad we came back around to that in the end, actually, because your story um, and that way you've now got out there and are talking about it and sharing it. And, and a lot of people, don't know also they worry about how to share these stories because a lot of people have some quite amazing stories and they think well I can't just go on about this because people will think that's not very professional or people think I'm I'm a bit useless because I've had this or I've got this or whatever. you know blah de blah de blah de blah and we all know that it's part of a fabulous human thing that you share and look at how you can affect other people's lives by that by that taking that time trouble to share and you don't have to gush your heart out all over the ruddy place you you know you just, I mean, you're a very straightforward kind of a person and i think that works really well because the way you tell yeah i it think is very you know yeah. if you'd have met me a year ago i will i will nothing like the person that's sitting here talking to you now and there's one person to thank for that and she's gonna she's gonna hate me mentioning her name um but i i met um, a lady called Georgina Chapman who if you're on LinkedIn a lot of people know Georgina um, and she was at the time she was an ambassador on, on Helen Pritchard's LinkedIn challenge um, and I knew that I wanted to try and use LinkedIn to help my business and I, I went on um, Helen Pritchard's challenge and I met Georgina as one of her ambassadors and it was the section where you do your first video and you put your video out onto um, social media and I refused to do it point blank and she said, we need to have a phone call. And we had a phone conversation and she convinced me to do the video. Um, and I can remember it vividly. I did the video about my story and then I, I, and then I went ahead in the cupboard because um, I just thought I was going to get trolled. I thought people are going to say that I'm sad fishy, that um, why on earth would anybody want to work with me because I've got a damaged brain. Um, I had so many preconceptions of what people were going to say to me and it was, it was ridiculous. There were thousands and thousands of views. I had hundreds of comments. Um, and the day after, I actually sat there and thought, what on earth was I making such a damn fuss about? Um, and that was the day that I actually managed to release everything because I'd got nothing else to hide behind. I hadn't got any, there wasn't any more fear. That was my biggest fear was my clients finding out about my past. And then I just Oh my the God, doors open oh my God. That's a, that is a brilliant story. And I'd never heard the expression sad fishing before. So thank you for bringing that into my life. Oh yeah, I, I, got, I got told that by a couple of people. They were like, yeah, hashtag sad fishing. Oh! And, I, and I said to them, have a lovely day. Because um, I figured that they needed their kindness more than I did. Um, oh, and you yeah. know what? You brought me back around to Mad Men again, because obviously I'm obsessed, because <laughs> I'm running binge watching it again. Um, because... Because the, you just said the hiding your past and the whole story of Mad Men, if people don't know it out there, you know, is somebody, the central character is hiding who he is. He's made, he's exactly Because that's what's drummed into you in corporate. You, yeah. you don't have a personality. You, 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 you adhere to the, um, to the, what, the, what's the word, the, um, the typecast or the, you know, the personality of the person that they want. 
Um, and and I, I did a post about it the other day is that you, you you're not you don't think for yourself, well, you know. Um, and I'm, that, and I'm, that, I'm gonna have to do a post about. I'm gonna have to use Mad Men now. I've got, I mean, all these hours of watching, I might as well use it to write a blank well, yeah. article. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you're right. That is the exact link. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, stop talking, Trisha. Right. Okay, that's it. We we have to, right. Where do people where do people connect with you best? Do you think LinkedIn or? Yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn, like a bit of a rash, really. And um, and it's easy to find me because I'm Andrea Rainsford in brackets, the SEO angel. So you can't really not find me. Um, and then obviously my website is seoangel.co.uk, um, and I'm also on Facebook. Um, with my web, uh, my Facebook page is SEO Angel. I don't really, um, my audience isn't really a Facebook audience to be mm. fair. So I'm I'm more I'm more on LinkedIn, and that's where we became connected. And that absolutely the rich ground of connection that LinkedIn is. I love it. I love it because that's how I met you, and that's got to be a life enriching thing. So thank you so much. <laughs> No, actually, I mean, genuinely. Thank you. I've had a great, I've had a great hour. It's a shame that we've got to finish because we could talk I mean, for I've, another hour. I've got, I've made this into every now and then. I have a slightly longer episode, um, and it particularly, actually, when people have got particularly extraordinary. I mean, everybody's got a story to share. Don't get me wrong. Every single guest I've yeah. had, every individual, every human's got a story to share. But there are some stories that do require a bit more you know space to um unfold and there was no way i was going to rush you through that so so we you've got one of these you are one of these glorious longer episodes andrea what a delight oh no, um, oh no. I, feel, I feel i feel i feel totally privileged yeah, yeah so you should right so <laughs> andrea it's been an absolute delight Thank and you. we will continue talking and um i shall go and um, start thinking about my blinking consistency over all my very and my bloody web website and I'll probably have bad dreams about it but thanks for that um so you know but I know where to come if I need help don't I thank you yeah I think that you know I look I've my the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing like I said at the beginning there was never any massive big business plan it was just basically to help people and and I love nothing more than seeing businesses thrive and that's what I get up for every day so if I can help I will Yes! Take action. Try this one small step. Okay, two things. Number one is just remember that if you've got a story to share, it might be a good idea to create some kind of a talk because wouldn't it be lovely for someone to come up to you at the end of that and say, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much better that's made me feel. Okay, number two, very practical. Think about people putting searches into Siri and, you know, the various voice devices. What will people actually be asking that might then give them your website? Yes, that would be fun. Lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode.
Be 